Welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Body Mind Cementer podcast. This is your host, Ryan Stewart, and I'm with Jack Stewart by my side here today. He's going to be my partner in crime while we answer a few of your core questions, and let's get right into it. So the first few questions we have here is, what is a good way to lose weight fast and permanently? Um, I've already done a previous podcast on this, and I'm going to link, um, I'm going to, I'm going to link it in the show notes, I'm going to link it on my core answer so that you guys can see why dieting doesn't work and probably what is your best way around weight loss and building muscle and hopefully you guys can check that out. Um, we also answered this one a few days ago, why would, it be a bad, why would it be a bad idea to drink one Monster Energy a day? It's not a bad idea, it's not a good idea, it's just your idea and if it works for you, it works for you. How many weight training exercises should you do each day as a beginner? Um, I'll pass you over to Jack for this one because he is the health and conditioning coach, strength coach. Hello everybody, it's Jack Stewart here and uh, well for that first question I'm being introduced to, if you're a beginner and you're looking to get into the weight side of things and looking to gain uh, muscle and build muscle mass, then I would highly recommend that you obviously start on the light, lightest weight that you can or to find that weight that you can lift uh, the precise reps for now obviously people have all these calculators online and all these uh, tools that will help you find your one rep max and put my two fingers up here inverted commas one rep max we don't know if that's true like you know people have said it's close to what they can do but the reality is it's all about the experience that you do so you may as well go into the, the gym and to be honest I think for any exercise you should be starting off with 10kg as we putting that on like we'll say if it's a compound movement such as bench press and deadlift it should be 10 kg each side just to see uh, how your muscle fibers react to that or see if you have any imbalances like I've seen loads of people who are going into the gym I've seen all these gym field videos on YouTube of men trying to lift heavy ass weight but they're say on the bench press their left side's going up higher and their whole body's lifting you don't want to be that person as a beginner so what I would advise you to do is weight train uh, for at least 40 to 45 minutes a day max and I wouldn't be going over I wouldn't be doing everyday bodybuilding or I wouldn't be doing everyday strength training I would lower that there to about three or four days a week say Monday Wednesday Friday and maybe the Saturday you can do maybe a bit of conditioning and building so for Monday Wednesday and Friday work on your strength building your strength finding that weight that's good for you and hits the reps and then on Saturday for a body part that you want to maybe um, for everyone to see first maybe it's your chest or your back try and do a bit more size so if you're going to go within that bodybuilding size range it should be within the 8 to 12 rep range and for strength it's around 3 to 5 just all depending on uh, what it is you're looking to build so I think I've pretty, pretty much summarised that up for you there uh, 3 to 4 days a week start light and like I said, 10 kg on each exercise. But if it's a compound movement such as deadlift, uh, squat, and bench press, I would do 10 kg uh, per side, and then see how you go from there. And obviously track your progress so that you know if you're getting stronger or if you need to lower the weight for the next day or if you need to increase it for the next day. Um, just getting back to your question, you're actually asking how many weight training exercises should you do each day as a beginner? There's six main movements that anyone really can incorporate into their training. Um, I got this, I think it's 
Paul Jack's Primal Pattern Movements, and Elliot Hulse also does a similar version of this here, but basically it's a, a squat, you know, which is your simple back squat or your front squat. Um, then you have a push movements, which can either be your bench press, your dips, or standard push-ups. There's also your pull movements, which would be your pull-ups, your chin-ups, your bend-over rows. Um, there would also be your bending movements, which would be your deadlift primarily. And there's many variations of the deadlift that you can do. And then you have your lunging. It's basically your multi-directional lunges or your um, standard reverse forward lunges, farmer's walks, whatever you want to do. Um, and the next one then is twisting, some sort of twisting movement, what you can do on the cables. Um, there's things like axle crossovers and what do they call them things? What do you call them things when you use the cables? Cable crossovers. Cable crossovers. Tree chops, chops, yeah, that's it. And the axe chops and all that there. And then other, what was the other one? Gate walking is actually, walking is actually seen as a weight training exercise. If, and you don't have to add weight to yourself when you're walking, but the general movement of walking is still good for that lymphatic and blood flow through the body. It still keeps you healthy. And then am I missing one, am I? Squat, push, pull, bend, twist, lunge. That's it. Yeah. And then incorporate what Jack told you there as in your rep ranges and starting off with light weights but it's mainly them it's mainly them main functional movements you should be incorporating especially for any beginner and another thing I might add in order to sort of increase the amount of your growth stabilization muscles I would incorporate some sort of gymnastic work especially body weight training even try and get in the rings as early as you can because we see these big massive body weight or uh, bodybuilders and strength builders and whenever you put them in the rings they're like little you know, they're like a horse with roller skates on. They're all over the place. So um, that's all we have to say about that. Um, how can I eat 100 grams of protein in one meal without any supplements? I'm pretty sure two and a half chicken breasts are exactly 100 grams of protein. Depending on the size of your chicken breasts, of course. Like, But um, my fitness pal would probably be your best bet. Weighing your food, if you want to go down that route. Weighing your food and using things such as my fitness pal. Um, both of us don't need to talk much more about that, do we? Why do my lips taste salty after eating a big meal? I'm pretty sure you've had too much salt there, Chuck. Can't really elaborate much more on that there. Um, will one day of carbs ruin ketosis? I mean, if you're going to eat carbs, yes, it'll take you out of ketosis. Is that saying you can never get back into ketosis? No, probably not. You will be able to go back into ketosis. I mean, then people that are on the ketogenic diet and maybe have cheat days and things, I mean, they're just going to revert back into their normal ketogenic metabolism whenever that um, cheat day passes so it's not going to it's not going to ruin I don't know what you mean by ruining ketosis I mean you're either in ketosis or you're not and I don't think there's much more we can say on that is there no um, how do I reduce carb intake without feeling hungry it's been well for you how do you reduce carb how do you reduce carb intake without being hungry oh boy well I'd say one of the main things you can do, like I remember I did a YouTube video of how to not get hungry throughout your day if you're trying to lose weight. And obviously some of them now that, now that I look back on it, some of them were quite silly. Like I did ones where you chew gum just to blunt the appetite. You're, you're doing them in fasting, drink black coffee or just drink coffee or any other um, low caffeine drink in order to blunt your appetite. You could... Um, Try snacking on nuts. Uh, what else is there? You can try drinking protein shakes. You know, you can try the protein shakes as well because they're low carb. 
and they're good for a snack in between days. But I, like I said, I wouldn't overload on protein shakes either because, uh, you know, too much of a protein intake, even on days where you're not even working out, is a bad thing. And I think Ryan knows more about that than I would. Um, I think it all just comes down to uh, how you how you approach your day with, you know, with that mindset of right, I'm not going to eat any carbs today. What can I do in order to do this? Can I take a walk? Can I do a light workout? Can I uh, maybe uh, work on some things that I was I have from work, like some paperwork or coursework if you're a student, uni work, anything. Uh, should I drink black coffee in order to blunt my appetite? Should I go to shopping and see if there's any uh, non non carbohydrate foods that I could um, put into my diet in order for me to blunt my hunger for carb carbohydrates? But uh, if it all uh, blows down to a low carb diet and you don't want to take any carbs, then take on what I've just said. And I would definitely, definitely recommend um, intermittent fasting with snacking on the likes of peanut butter. Um, the nuts like Brazil nuts and pecan nuts and all that there and then protein shakes as well obviously just to maybe blunt that even further uh, until you get to your dinner time and then obviously you have your your uh, your resting time so I hope that there um, gives you a wee bit of insight and I hope uh, you t take that on board that you're leaving it below uh, this podcast episode and comment for this person and let me know how you get on Nice. What are the results of a no-carbs, no-sugar diet? I think we've answered this quite recently as well. I mean, asking these type of questions, what are the, what are the results? Well, I don't know what the results are going to be for you, because I'm not you, and it's not being cheeky, it's not being condescending, but I, I'm not, I can't sort of predict the future for you if you don't eat any carbs and you eat no sugar. It's totally, there's too many factors at risk here, you know, your metabolic influences, the amount of sleep you're getting, the amount of physical activity you have every day, your gut microbiome, the influence, maybe the perception that you have of removing carbs and sugar from your diet, how that's going to affect your physical, mental, emotional self. There's far, far too many physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual sort of influences that I can't answer that one for you. And to be honest, you need to stop asking questions like that and expect any yes or no sort of straight answer from people because... You're not going to get one. Either it's going to be people that are going to try and sell you their bullshit, as in some ketogenic diet plan that they produced, and you're going to fit right into that because you're going to get the best results that they got from eating no carbs and the no sugar diet. But that's not true. It's basically, it's so, it's so individualistic, if that's even a word, individualistic to you. And if you've read Roger M. Williams on biochemical individuality, we are so different on the inside. It's so, it's so, it's almost so similar as we are different on the outside. If you look at each person, they're so different on the outside. I'm not talking about twins here. But I'm talking about if you look just generally in the street. Well, each person, how they look so different on the outside. They look different, even more different probably on the inside. I mean, people have different sizes of pancreatic ducts, even different numbers of pancreatic ducts. People have different sizes of hearts, different sizes of stomachs, different sizes of all their different organs. I'm sure that's not hard to imagine. So for you asking me, what would the effects be on your body? I don't know. And I think that's what a lot of us... I think that's a, what a lot of us so-called experts out here on Quora and YouTube and Facebook, all... Nobody really, nobody really knows anything, let's be honest. They've only had an experience and they have perspective 
and what they've done, what's worked for them, and then they try and sell you some program. And I think over the years that's what I've realised. And nowadays it's just so simple. People do. I mean, we have a whiteboard here. We have a homemade gym. We don't go out of our way to buy programs and try and pin them up on the wall and then do exactly what they say. You need to have fun. You need to have a bit of variety with your workouts. You need to have a bit of variety with your diet. I mean, can you imagine, now, this is this is getting a bit off topic, but can you imagine meeting your dream girl or your dream man and you go out for dinner and he says, would you like to share such and such? And you say, no, I'm on a no-carb, no-sugar diet. And he's like, all right, okay. Or she's like, okay. Um, do you want some alcohol? Oh, no, I'm on a no-sugar, no-carb diet. Okay. What do you think What do you think is going to be the result of that there? Fuck, they're a real fun salad to be with, aren't they? Think of it then in that terms. You don't want to be so stringent and so narrow with your choices in life. I mean, like Jack said before, life is for living. Life is for experiences. You can't be so narrow and stringent with everything in life. Or you're going to end up... I, I can't even surmise what you'll end up. I mean, that's not for me. Some people that do do this, your stringent lifestyle, it seems to work for them. But for the majority of people, I think that's the main reason that we're all so chaotic and fucked up. Because we're trying to absorb everyone's information and absorb everyone's piece of knowledge that they have to get what they want. It's not the way it works out, people. Life is so much more dynamic that even if you follow the perfect diet, the perfect workout program, you have the perfect partner and you have the perfect state of mental, physical and emotional health, you can, st- you can still walk out and be run down by a bus. You can still fall off a building. You can still wake up one day and collapse. You can still fall victim to any of the diseases that are out there. So stop being so stringent in your beliefs and stop being so stringent in asking these types of questions. It really is individual for each person. And don't listen to anyone and the bullshit that they're trying to sell you. Yeah, more loud now. Um, I'm getting a lot of these questions quite recently. My crush's best friend told me multiple times that my crush liked me back. What should I do? I'm going to give you a very, very simple answer here. You either act on the information or you don't. You know? You either take things forward. I mean, both of you seem to like each other. I don't know why there's all this sort of gameplay behind the scenes. You know, my best friend says this. I mean, what age are you? I don't know how old this person is. But I mean, if you're almost an adolescent or you're an adult you need to sort of take the bull by the horns here and maybe ask this person out see it's hard to answer these questions because I don't know whether it's there's no name with this question I don't know whether you are a male or a female it shouldn't really matter though if you want to be with a person you go out there and you go after it and that should be a that should be a stable for everything in life if you have a goal go out there and get it no matter what no matter what the obstacle no matter what is in your way you go out there and you get whatever you want out of life you get that person. If you get that person, hold on to them. If you don't, so what? Go on to the next person. And now that. Can you repeat the question there for me, please? <laughs> my crush's best friend mm-hmm. told me multiple times that my crush liked me back. What should I do? Well, it's a pretty straightforward answer there, isn't it? Yeah. So, obviously, it's not the same question that we have from the previous person where the crush obviously. Rejected her, not rejected her, and I think that's pretty harsh, but just didn't really come on to her, or didn't, yeah, really didn't like her the back. same way towards her. Well, put it this way, girl or boy, if your crush likes likes you as an individual back, and I don't see why um, you're asking two boys sitting in the garage here, you know, what the, what the solution should be, I think you should just um, 
like Ryan said, but um, bite the bullet, take the information, go ahead, devise well not devise a plan, but um, devise an approach, or just you know take the courage and go up to them. And I don't know if you're in college or it's a workplace, just take the courage, go up to them in the dinner hall, in the hallway, in your workplace, getting a coffee, like wherever you are, just take up the courage to like open, you know, with there's no there's no perfect line. I I love all these. Um, <laughs> like oh, of course there is some great pickup lines out there and they do work but I think uh, some people just take really thick the pickup lines and I think the most I think the most best pickup line you can say to someone is hi I'm such and such introduce yourself by name and I think that's going to be the first step into your um, well pray and hopefully long lasting relationship or uh, friends with benefits thing so um yeah I just say go for it if if his be- if your crush's best friend keeps coming to you obviously your crush is liking you more so I don't see why you're holding back and keeping maybe you're just playing that push pull method like but I think you should just um grab the ball by the horns and go for it because what have you got to lose yeah nice um these next three questions here I'm going to answer them all in one. Uh, the first one here is, how would I tell the difference between PTSD and anxiety? I have I have anxiety and have always been anxious about the past, but there is one thing that's been hurting more than the rest. And then it just stops, so I don't really know what's hurting more than the rest. Does cortisol cause anxiety? And could being too calm be a symptom of anxiety? What I'm going to tell you guys here is that every every sort of like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety panic attacks, depression, all these sort of uh, mental, whatever you want to call them, mental, or f- mental, f- mental, physical or emotional disorders, whatever they may be. Or I, I honestly believe they're all interlinked. It, it takes every bit of the component in order to produce the final effect. But from the premise for each of these conditions, it all begins with that fear response, with that overactivation of the sympathetic nervous system, which releases the stress hormones, the cortisol, the noradrenaline and the adrenaline, and which basically constricts the blood vessels, especially in and around the internal viscera, the main organs that keep you alive for survival. And it sort of, it spreads the blood into the extremities, basically the legs, the arms, in order to prepare you for that fight or flight, um, fight or flight resistance, basically for your survival. You know, if you've seen a big alley cat, or not an alley cat around the corner, (laughs) a big tiger around the corner, or a snake around the corner, a 30 pound alley cat. (laughs) Um, basically if there's an immediate danger well then that's going to be the sympathetic nervous system now the harmful thing here is that what we seem to have in today's culture with all this post-traumatic stress disorders anxiety, panic attacks and depression and emotional turmoil is some underlying some underlying issue which is causing that fear response over and over and over again and the harmful thing is I think I've spoken about this in a previous podcast but the blood also constricts the blood vessels at the front of the brain taking you out of the conscious state taking you out of the reasoning state as in what should I do about this what is the best solution and it pushes the blood to the back of the brain into that sort of subconscious mind so you replay these programs over and over again and if you were one of them people that maybe did have a traumatic episode when you were younger if you did have them painful experiences that has resulted in your uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or your anxiety or your panic attacks well then this will keep replaying and replaying and replaying 
until there's an eventual energy that's balanced within the body. And you'll notice this with your heart. It'll go from slow to fast without you even knowing. People think this is arrhythmias and stuff. This is an energy, an entropy disbalance. Basically, what do they call it? Um, disordered metabolism. Not disordered metabolism. It's really disordered. How do they even explain it? A disordered energy imbalance. Entropy. That's what they call it. Even at the cellular level, the tissue level, tissue level, the organ level, and then the visceral level. And this sort of magnifies them throughout the body. And you wonder why people get depressed. Well, this constant energy fluctuation within the body, and especially within the heart area, the heart and the stomach area, just a constant fear, a constant entanglement, and a constant overload of that sympathetic nervous system. And then it tries to balance itself off with the parasympathetic nervous system, and you end up with this constant energy disbalance, and you wonder why some people feel so bad, and how they can feel so bad for life, because of this constant energy ups and energy downs. And let's be honest, a lot of the people that have sort of chronic, I don't know what that was, a lot of people that have this chronic depression, they don't even get to experience the energy highs. It's a constant energy low. And until people resolve that emotional issue, that trauma, and I don't know what a lot of people are going to say. They're going to say, well, why? Can you tell me how? Well, I don't have time to get into it right now. That's why I offer my specialised service to people as a body and mindset coach. But giving you, you can almost surmise from what we give you the free information we give in this podcast we try and give you as much as i can i mean i can't it's too individual to go into it right now for everyone but dealing with that underlying emotional issue dealing with that underlying trauma dealing with that right thank you very much okay doing a podcast here Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was my mum there, my dysfunctional mother. <laughs> um, so what I was getting at there was... I don't know, I lost my place there. I'm going to have to pass the mic over to you now. <laughs> I lost my place. Oh, good Lord. Uh, so even your experience, your perspective, yeah. not even PTSD, just generally that the mental sort of... The mental sort of trauma that people are facing these days, we both know that anxiety and panic attacks, we all know people that have them. And for a general overview, you know a bit about the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. I, I honestly don't know why why it's so prevalent, but there's definitely is some underlying there's definitely some underlying fear issue there which sort of brings that into their system. Mm-hmm. If I don't know. Yeah, it's a very I wouldn't say it's a very hard topic. It'd be more, more of a topic where, I'm not, I'm not uh, quite experienced in. But I've, I, like, I do know people who have quite a lot of panic attacks. I know um, loads of people who suffer from depression, and like, and I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like you know I, I wouldn't take the time to, uh, get to know why these people feel that there because I myself like I I don't I don't know what that's like. Well, I did have one time where I did have a panic attack and my throat was closing over, but that was only because I, I thought I had the body coronavirus, but I didn't. It was just a stupid, you know, assumption. But there are people out there who, quite frankly, um, have panic attacks over the silliest things, like such as you know sleeping disorders as well. Like if they if they can't get to sleep and they think there's somebody in the room, there's a big black shadow looking at them. 
like their sleep paralysis as well, which is obviously another um sign of anxiety as well. I think like Ryan was saying, they're all interlinked through some sort of mishap within the sympathetic nervous system. And if there's not a good balance in between the both of the autonomic you know, the autonomic nervous system, there's it's like a seesaw, you know, your sympathetic goes up and then the parasympathetic needs to switch on straight away and say, right, we need to try and balance this out. It's like scales, you know, there needs to be both even weights on each side. And if one gets uh, too much than the other, then one's obviously going to overwork itself and uh, become more stressed, releasing more cortisol into your uh, musculoskeletal system and the nervous system. So I think from what these people suffer, it's basically the sympathetic nervous system being overworked too much. There's something in their lives that they're holding on to, emotional, could be physical, psychological, could be anything, and they just don't know how to release it, they don't know how to let it go, they must be holding on to some sort of energy. It's like a trap, it's like a trap nerve, I, I, was, uh, I study trigger point therapy, and we know it's obviously, we obviously uh, are people who aren't educated in the trigger point therapy line, they obviously um, know it as lactic acid, it's like a knot in the musculoskeletal system but uh, from a Tai Chi perspective trigger points is like a barricade which stops flow of energy so there's obviously you know say if you had some uh, sort of lumps in your I don't know like let's say throat for example you know it could be bad it could be um, it could be medical could need, could be treated but some of them are, are mostly emotional stress that have been crabbed or not crabbed <laughs> cramped and in this one space and it just keeps building and building it's like a barricade it's like paying paying the fee on the Dublin Bridge you don't pay your fee you don't get over so basically the fee is like the energy it's the good energy but of course you're not providing that there because there's something that's holding it back so I think that what people need to realise is that you know of course they could, they could have PTSD you know there must be there must have been something in their childhood or maybe something that scarred them for life but, you know, you can't, you can't live in the past. You know, that there's gone. People, you know, people, friends and the family and all, of course, they've passed and all. It's not a nice thing to experience. But, you know, you need to be, you need to be saying to yourself, I'm glad that's not me. I'm glad that I'm uh, heading somewhere. And I'm glad that I'm at least trying to get over this. So... If I was to give you advice, you know, you, only, you can only, you need to just try this here out. Um, on Quora, I've asked, answered this person's question through like anxiety and uh, stress. And I give them the bioenergetic routine, which is basically going mad like a child. Like Ali Hulse basically describes it as, um, you may want to scream and laugh and kick and jump about like a wee child at a fun fair. But it's inappropriate. It's unacceptable to society today because you're getting on like a child. It's not needed, but he describes it as a release of energy, as a release of trauma and anger and any emotional fire that could be holding that back. And then obviously there's also meditation, calming off the mind, because some people with ADD, ADHD, their, their mind's racing, it's, it's flying on 100 miles per hour. So I think if they tried some kind of med meditation, it doesn't need to be sitting in one spot, it could be drawing your favourite type of art, it could be your favourite pastime, you could be watering the plants. And I think, what was the other one? 
Uh, I think uh, food also is another um, factor to be considered through anxiety and depression and everything. Because once you're depressed, you know, <laughs> I'm not labeling, I'm not being sexist here, but you always see it in movies. When girls get dumped and get depressed, where do they reach for? The ice cream tub, the chocolate barrel. And what, what do men hit when they're depressed? The alcohol and drugs. So there's obviously a link between there. So what I would try to do is avoid all the like sugary foods. And if you are depressed, then at least look and reflect on that and be like, what did I do wrong? What did he or she do wrong? What could I have done to prevent that? What could I have done to fix that? And I think I'll just finish it off with, it's all in the mind, people. It's all in your head. There's experiences coming. And your mind needs to be ready for it. Nice. Um, just to answer that last question there about calm being too calm be a symptom of anxiety. Um, normally being too calm is almost the premise for depression. People that are on that parasympathetic nervous system scale almost in the almost too far towards parasympathetic dominance can have things such as depression and insomnia and this can even lead to if this sort of problem persists like it's it's almost like the shutdown of the energy within the body this is meant to be your rest and digest system but you can push yourself into too much of a parasympathetic balance or not not even a balance a parasympathetic overdrive and then you result the resulting uh, issues can be things like depression insomnia and it can even go as far as suicidal depression and things like normally i see people with psoriasis and um, conditions of severe autoimmunity because they're perceiving a problem within the body still but the body just can't the body just does not even have the energy to deal with the problem and it just sort of attacks itself which is why the symptoms then sort of pursue um I, we don't have time to do this right now but just give us a give us a bit of time people until the next episode i know this is quite an important one um, i'm just going to read it out for you guys so as you know what's coming next and i think this could be quite a big one for a lot of people and i totally relate to you people i totally relate to the guys that ask me these questions and i, I haven't answered it yet because I didn't know which way to approach it. Um, now I think I can give you guys the best experience, perspective and knowledge that I have right now at my disposal. But what makes others think that you are overthinking everything? And I just want to stop thinking for one second. How do I stop myself from being anxious and overthinking everything? And um, I'm definitely going to I'm gonna make sure I answer that question for you guys. There's quite a lot of people following that one. And um, I'm definitely going to get back to you. Jack and I will try and get back to you as soon as we can. So thank you for listening to the Body Mindset Matter podcast today, tonight, wherever you are in the world. And hopefully we will be back with you guys soon again to answer more of your questions. So be well, be safe, and um, we'll see you all soon again, or speak to you all soon again, whatever it is.